It's New Year's Eve day, and as I was researching for this sermon, I went down a rabbit hole and um, came across some really good, bad dad jokes about New Year's Eve. And I know the youth and the youth leaders, they know I love a good, bad dad joke. So where should you go to practice math on New Year's Eve? Times Square. Yes, you guys are good. All right. Why should you never celebrate New Year's Eve in New York City? Because they dropped the ball. Okay, all right. Why does Elsa, this is from the movie Frozen, love to celebrate the new year with sky lanterns? You got it, because she loves to let things go. There you go. That's enough bad jokes, all right? It's what happens when you get on the internet to look up New Year's Eve res resolutions and things like that. Just So in this season, we tend to think about time. And as we come to the close of another year, it's also the time when we think about the greatest events of the past year, or maybe in the past decade, top 10 list are really big. So with this in mind, if I was to ask you for a list of who the greatest American preachers are of all time, who would be on your list? There you go. We'll get to him in a minute. <laughs> okay. How about Billy Graham? Maybe Francis Chan? Charles Stanley. Charles Stanley. John Piper? Spurgeon. Spurgeon. D.L. Moody? J. Vernon McGee, maybe, for some of you who are a little older? Cotton Mather, if you're really old? Charles Finney? Okay. Now, if I was to ask you who some of the greatest American pastors are, who would you say? Maybe Charles Stanley, Chuck Swindoll, Adrian Rogers, D. James Kennedy, John MacArthur. There could be others. Who? Chris Lenhart. Chris Lenhart? <laughs> I agree with that. I heard a Bob Reed back there, yes. David Jeremiah. David Jeremiah, all right. Now, if I was to ask you who some of the greatest American theologians are, who would you say? Okay. R.C. Sproul. Jonathan Edwards. Charles Hodge, Packer, Schofield, Sproul, uh, Asbury, if you go back a ways. Some might say Timothy Keller. All right. So now, if I was to ask you the one man who is the greatest American preacher, the greatest American pastor, the greatest American theologian, in other words, they have to be all three. They have to be a theologian, pastor, and a preacher. Who would you say? And this list is very short, and I only have one name on it. Name. Not quite. <laughs> Not quite. 
but you, but you will get a raise this year. <laughs> well, Jesus, he wasn't American, so. <laughs> However, I would say that it would have to be Jonathan Edwards, who's the only person that fulfills all three. So, a little lesson for those of you who might not be familiar with the man and homeschoolers, this can count for school. All right? So, Jonathan Edwards was born in 1703, and he went to Yale College before he turned 13. Yeah. He graduated valedictorian. Three years later, he received his master's degree. By the age of 23, he was a pastor of the church in Northampton, Massachusetts, which was the most influential church in the colony outside of Boston. He switched churches later on. He moved to another church in 1750. And in addition to being a pastor, he also became a missionary to the Mohawk and Mohegan Indians. Later, he would become president of the College of New Jersey, which we now know as Princeton. Jonathan Edwards is one of the most dominant figures in 18th century American religion. He was a revivalist, a preacher, a pastor, a missionary. He is known as a great theologian. He wrote such works as, and they, they love long titles back in the 1700s, The Freedom of the Will, a, a faithful narrative of the surprising work of God. He also wrote a book called Justification by Faith. He was a key figure in the Great Awakening. Now, the Great Awakening was a religious revival that impacted the English colonies in the 1730s and 1740s. The stage was set for him. In 1734, his preaching on justification by faith ignited a spiritual revival in his church, producing about 30 new converts a week in his church, and he was on the frontier. Tens of thousands came to be saved during this time of the Great Awakening, and he's considered one of the chief fathers of the Great Awakening. Now, he gained fame for preaching on the sovereignty of God, the depravity of humans, the imminent danger of hell, and the need for a new birth conversion. Now, unfortunately today... If you mention Jonathan Edwards, he's usually only remembered for the title of one sermon. Do you know what that is? Sinners in the hands of an angry God. He preached that in 1741. It is a classic sermon. You should listen to it online. You can find it on YouTube. But he's so much more than that one sermon. So now that we know a little bit about Jonathan Edwards, I want to go back to when he was 19 years old. So he's already graduated from college with a master's degree. 
At the age of 19, Jonathan firmly resolved to live for the glory of God. He firmly believed in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But he also firmly believed that whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, you do all for the glory of God. And Jonathan Edwards knew that to reach this goal, he had to have a plan. And so he had to have a commitment to that plan. And so at the age of 19, he began writing his 70 resolutions. Most of us have trouble keeping one. (laughs) He wrote 70 resolutions over the course of several years. The glory of God was his heartbeat. And he used these resolutions to make things practical so he could live for the glory of God. Now, many of these resolutions deal with a focus on three areas, time, death, and eternity. He's 19 years old. He believed that if he lost sight of eternity, his time would be misspent, misused, and wasted. And so, to try to avoid these pitfalls, he focused on the shortness of time, the certainty of death, and the length of eternity. And he believed that these would help him focus his life to live for God. So this morning, we're going to take a look at a few of his resolutions. And we're going to group them by time, death, and eternity. Focus number one, time. Jonathan Edwards, resolution number five, resolved. Never to lose one moment of time, but improve it the most profitable way I possibly can. To never lose one moment of time, but to improve it the most profitable way I possibly can. Time is a very precious thing. Something very valuable, but easily lost. And for Jonathan Edwards, he wanted to be a good steward of the time that God had given him. He wanted to invest his time wisely. He believed that there was no time to waste while living in this world. The number of hours, the number of days, seconds that any person has, he believed has already been determined by God long before the world was created. The amount of time that we have, he believed, has been ordained And therefore, whatever time we have, it must be used very wisely. Job 14.5, since his days are determined and the number of his months is with you and you have appointed his limits that he cannot pass. Or Psalm 90.12, so teach us to number our days that we may present to you a heart of wisdom. Or Psalm 139.16, Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. So we have a fixed number of days to live on this earth. And within this time, there are opportunities. There are God moments. God has a purpose, an eternal purpose for our lives. 
Are we going to be wise and pursue these God-created opportunities, or will we miss the moment? In Ephesians chapter 5, it says, Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time, because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of God is. Or Colossians 4, 5, Conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. Again, there's this urgency in Scripture towards spiritual things. Isaiah 55, 6, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Or Hebrews chapter 3, Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. As it is said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts, as in the rebellion. And it's with this urgency that Jonathan Edwards resolved to use his time wisely. Resolution 6, resolve to live with all my might while I do live. He knew that to live now, to seek God, meant to understand that our days are limited. There will come a last day. Resolution 30, resolve to strive to my utmost every week to be brought higher in religion and to a higher exercise of grace than I was the week before. Resolution 41, resolve to ask myself at the end of every day, week, month, and year, wherein I could possibly in any respect have done better. He didn't wait for the new year. Every day, he wanted to take a look and see, how did I live for God? Because time is precious, and how we use it is so important. Because time affects eternity, and how we invest our time has eternal consequences. For Jonathan Edwards, and for all of us, time is very short. We all have so very little of it. Time is uncertain. None of us knows how little time we have remaining. And time cannot be recovered because once time is lost, it is gone. So how can we improve our time? One, consider our accountability to God. We will give an account for the use of our time. Mike mentioned this earlier, this passage during his prayer time. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne and before him will be gathered all the nations. And he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. And then the king will say to those on his right, come. You who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. 
I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. We will all give an accountability before God and how we use our time. Two, how can we improve our time? Consider that we have already lost much time. And we cannot afford to lose any more. Each day, whether you're a hundred or you're one, you're one day closer to the end. Consider. So consider that we have already lost much time. Three, consider those at the end of their time. Time is greatly valued by men and women who are nearing the end of their life. Let's be like them, but let's not wait till the end to value time. And four, act now while you have time, because today is when we need to start. So for Jonathan Edwards, time was of the essence. Is it for us? We need to use our time on earth wisely. Focus two, death. Jonathan Edwards had multiple resolutions regarding death and how soon it will come. Again, remember, Jonathan Edwards was 19 years old. Resolution number seven. Resolved never to do anything which I should be afraid to do if it were the last hour of my life. Wouldn't that keep us out of a lot of trouble? (laughs) Jonathan realized that he could make the best use of his time if he understood and considered that each hour of his life could be the last hour of his life. And living with the last hour in view has a way of restraining sinful thoughts, activities, and words. It also has a way of helping us to focus on priorities rather than distractions or lesser things. By focusing on the last hour, those final minutes and moments when one will come to the end of his life, it prioritizes now what should be most important in life. And sometimes we're not choosing between good and evil. Sometimes we're choosing between good, better, and best. And so by living with the end of life in view, it caused Jonathan to keep short accounts with God and with others and to live what is best, to live for the glory of God. And so, the last hour of one's life, you have time only for what is most important. And so, what is most important? Sharing the gospel with loved ones. Making sure your salvation is in order. Purposing that love be expressed to those who matter most. Confessing sin. So, let me ask you. If you had but one hour to live... How would you spend that hour? 
What would be most pressing? What sin would you be confessing? Who would you need to tell that you love? Who would you be witnessing to? What relationship would need to be restored? And whatever answer you give for that last hour, that is how you need to live right now. Resolution 9, resolve to think much in all occasions of my own dying and of the common circumstances which attend death. He's 19. Resolution 17, resolved that I will live so as I shall wish I had done when I come to die. Resolve that I will live so as I shall wish I had done when I come to die. Resolution 52. I frequently hear persons in old age say how they would live if they were to live their lives over again. Resolved that I will live just so as I can think I shall wish I had done supposing I live to old age. He wanted no regrets. Jesus, while on earth, readily talked and explained his coming death. Matthew 16, 21. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. The apostle Paul talked often about death, even in baptism. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. In order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of God, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we no longer be enslaved to sin." For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Death is prevalent in Scripture. We as Christians are to live as dead men walking. Focus three, eternity. After time and death, Jonathan Edwards thought much about eternity. Resolution 22 Resolve to endeavor to obtain for myself as much happiness in the other world as I possibly can, with all the power, might, vigor, vehemence, violence I am capable of or can bring myself to exert in any way that can be thought of. Resolution 50. Resolved, I will act so as I think I shall judge what had been best and most prudent 
when I come into the future world. Jonathan Edwards, age 19, thought more about eternity than most of us here today. He wanted his present life to be lived, shaped, directed by what would be the most important upon entering the future world, heaven. Whatever would be most important then, in eternity, he wanted it to be important now. He lived today so he can enjoy eternity. He was looking for a future kingdom. Excerpts from Hebrews chapter 11. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Faith. Whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Looking for that reward. Abraham. He was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. People of faith, they make it clear that they are seeking a homeland, but it's not on this earth. They desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. Jonathan Edwards wanted to keep his eyes on the prize of heaven. He looked around. And he saw that there was a great cloud of witnesses, and so he resolutely determined to lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and to run with endurance the race that was set before him. Resolution 55. Resolved to endeavor to my utmost to act as, as I can think I should do if I had already seen the happiness of heaven and hell's torments. Resolve to endeavor to my utmost to act as I can think I should do if I had already seen the happiness of heaven and hell's torments. Thinking of both heaven and hell can motivate us to live right for today. And so can thinking about the saints who have gone before and their example, especially the martyrs of the faith. Resolution number 10, resolved, when I feel pain, to think of the pains of martyrdom and of the pains of hell. Hmm. In 2 Corinthians 11, Paul outlines just some of the sufferings he had in life. But whatever else... Anyone else dares to boast of, I am speaking as a fool, I also dare to boast of that. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they offspring of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I am a better one. I am talking like a madman. With far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings, and often near death, five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. 
Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, dangers from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardships through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. It can really strengthen our faith when we read about the faithfulness and perseverance of others. Whenever we face disappointments in life, it does not compare with the pains of those who met a violent death at the hands of their evil persecutors. Be reminded the saints who have gone before can strengthen our resolve and help us to keep going strong. Even more graphically, Jonathan Edwards also considered the pains of those damned in hell. And whatever difficulty he was experiencing, he believed could not begin to compare with the full fury of the eternal wrath of God inflicted upon Christ-rejecting sinners. He thought a lot about heaven, and he thought a lot about hell. Hebrews 12, 3 underscores this point. Consider him, Jesus, who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Remembering those who have gone before. Time, death, and eternity. These three things are worthy to think about often because they help us to focus on what is most important and they help to motivate us toward godliness and faithfulness. Time, death, eternity. Now, Jonathan Edwards made 70 resolutions, and we did not cover them all today. And so I don't want us to leave here today thinking that Jonathan Edwards was only ever somber, that he only looked at the negative. I mean, thinking about time, death, and eternity is kind of depressing. Happy New Year's. (laughs) But there was one other thing that greatly motivated him. And I want to read that resolution. Number 25. Resolved to examine carefully and constantly what that one thing in me is which causes me in the least to doubt of the love of God and to direct all my forces against it. Resolve to examine carefully and constantly what that one thing in me is which causes me in the least to doubt the love of God and to direct all my forces against it. Jonathan Edwards knew that God loved him. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? 
Who will bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised to us at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. What shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. God loves you. Jonathan Edwards knew that beyond everything else. And he wanted to know more fully and to trust completely and to understand this great and wonderful, awesome, loving God. God loves us so much. That in itself should motivate us to live for him fully. So in this coming new year, let us also resolve to live with these things in mind. That time is short. And so make today count for Jesus. That death is coming. Realize this and to live accordingly. That eternity is near and it is forever. So live for the future. And that God loves you. And nothing can separate you from that. A great preacher, a great pastor, a great theologian, a great missionary, a great servant of God. He knew the keys to living a life that would glorify God. And so let us do the same today.